Okay, are we recording here? We are recording here. Got to turn this up. I'm getting so... You're getting really good at this, John Marco. Thank you. know you. how to hit all the buttons. Yeah. Like in the beginning. I, am I getting better or is that... Uh, no, you really are. Good. Thank God. Sounded I'm getting real. better at something. I open my can. Look at this. Um, all right. So we're going to talk for five minutes in the beginning and you can feel free to throw things in. Feel free to laugh, <coughs> or sneeze, cough, whatever. Thank you. And then we'll we'll bring you on. And Mike Kaplan, I have it. Right. Oh, yeah, that's definitely fantastic. My name. I nailed it. Um, all right. Uh, uh, welcome. Welcome to the downside. Russell, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, John Marco. How are you doing? I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling more anxious than, than normal. Uh, so let's hit it. You're listening to The Downside. The Downside. With John Marco Cerezi. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm nervous about this opening. I keep I keep going like, well, I have nothing really to say other than bad, anxious, hot, nervous. Do you like the opening still? I do. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Okay, then we'll keep it. For you now. mean oh, you mean like like us talking for and and then? Well, it's just like it's it's the same thing every time. How are you? You're good. And well, then I go. it is interesting. We don't haven't done it a lot where we do two in a row. So so yes. sometimes it feels so. This is interesting right now because we are recording. This is we our, already we're recording up. a second episode in the same day with a guest. The first time we've ever done this. We're yeah. still a very new. Yeah. Podcast. I uh, I'm your first second yes. guest. Yes. First second. <laughs> wow. Um. So I am anxious, and I uh, I didn't talk. So here's why I'm anxious. So I I got an ultrasound. On, on my balls. Oh my god! Um, and I want to I want to you know share it because I just want to share everything. Wait, okay. So I just I just had like an ache, just an ache, like a hollow ache in the right ball. And I do workout stuff, and I thought you know I read, and they said it's a, it could be anything from a tight hamstring to call your parents and say goodbye. Yeah. And uh, uh, I I postponed it for a while because it would go away, oh and then it would come, god. it would go away completely, and then it would come back. Yeah. So I finally I got this ultrasound. And uh, uh, I had an ultrasound once before when I got that hernia from yeah. CrossFit. And so you, you go there and uh, the, the, the woman was very talkative who did it. We, we were like chatting it up. And she, she I mean, took for, she really covered everything. She was on those balls for like Wait, six, seven minutes. What happens? So they, it's, it's like you do with a baby. Uh, but they but they, they put loop. like like all that like sticky stuff. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. On yeah. your balls, on your balls, and I'm wearing the gown. And it was funny. At some point, she was like, "Hold, hold your penis." And there's always that thing where like, I understand it shouldn't be embarrassed, but we rarely hear an adult that I'm not close to say "penis." That I'm yeah. like, you just start getting a little giggly. And we're so, telling to hold it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I I grabbed the whole package, and you know lifted it up, and she's like. No, just your penis. She's like that's not the penis. That's not. And I'm like, right, right. Penis is just the yeah. the the not ball part. So I holding the penis, and uh, uh, she's just going around, and you can hear it. Like with a baby, you can hear like the heart. You know, like that's its heartbeat. I'm so stressed. You're hearing, and it's like that's your artery pumping blood into into your into balls. Your balls. And at one point she even said she turned it up like loud because I made a comment about it. And then she turned up the noise loud and she was like, I'm just joking. I was turning up loud. And then immediately she was like, you don't tell anyone. You don't have to <laughs> tell anyone. And, and, and it, was, it was just Don't so, tell anyone I told you I turned up your ball and, and music. It, and it was just like, you know, because I don't know if they're allowed to joke around at all. But it was very funny. Immediately she was like, oh, just you're not going to. 
Does she know that you're a comedian? She, well, she does. So she, so she. That seems like I. So you didn't listen to her at all. You're telling everyone right now. I'm telling okay. everyone right now. Well, you know, it would, take, it would take a lot for someone to track this down all the way. I figured. Yeah. I'll I'll bleep out what I was getting checked out. I don't know, but she. We talked about uh, comedy. She was like, I want to see a show as as people do. And the thing is, she can't. She wasn't allowed to tell me anything in the room about you know, does everything look fine? Any weird yeah. things yeah. going on? Yeah. Uh, and. Like brutal, like will not share. And so I'm looking for cues. Yeah. And she's like, I can't tell anything, but I'd love to see a comedy show. And I was like, well, do you think you'll be seeing a show in a couple months from now? Or do you think like you'll have to see a show in a week? Like, I'm like, give me something here. I've got a, a great magnum opus planned for the year 2072. <laughs> Would you like to buy it? I'll give you a free copy yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, so I think they came back. Uh, the doctor said everything looks fine. Oh, great! But then said like you had some kind of vein thing, but it's fine. But yeah. check it out. And I was like, "What the fuck? Check it out." What, I was like, what do you, to, like you have to get like a like a what do you call that doctor? Um, uh, a urologist. Yeah, not a urologist. A cock right. Cock doc. Yeah. Urologist. Cock doc. Yeah. I was listening yeah. to yeah. your yeah. an album of yours recently, and you instead of urologist, you said. A penis doctor or a cock doc, like you use that as a shorthand. I wonder if that's true. It doesn't sound familiar to me, but I believe you. Oh, I'm 100 percent sure. Fair enough. Uh, well, uh, well, with that, let's bring on yeah. our guest. I'm very happy to have you, uh, Mr. Mike Kaplan. Uh, Hold your penis, comedian. everyone. Hold your penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you for joining the downside. You said you took your first subway here since COVID. Yes, that's correct. Wow. Good experience. Uh. To very reasonable. I so like uh, noteworthily valuable in how regular it felt again. Even though everyone everyone's wearing a mask and all of the advertisements are for masks. That's mm -hmm. that's new to me. Just like every the whole car is just like wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. Everybody's wearing a mask except for the guy right across from me. And of so course. I lapse into my my normal. Like, can you believe? Like, there's a my fourth grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Golan. Uh, I don't know that I've ever said her name before publicly, but uh, I remember sure. this this memory. Uh, we went to like the, our class took a trip to like the opera or some kind of theatrical production, uh -huh. like outside of school. And I remember the next day in class, she said to the class, "She's like, we went to the opera, and I noticed that some students were not clapping, and and that just stuck with me so much. I was like, wow, she's she was like angry at like on, I guess on behalf of the performers, like like you're supposed yeah. to clap." And, and so I'm on the train now. I'm like, there were some people not masking. There was just one guy. Uh, and I'm like, I mean, you know, who, who knows what he has going on in his life. Those but. school field trips are my, I missed it. My high school, like sophomore year, they all went to see Romeo and Juliet at the Shakespeare Theater. Beautiful theater in D.C. I missed it for some reason, funeral or something. Yeah. And apparently we were so bad, the school was banned from the theater. Ah. And for weeks after, they, they were giving our class lectures about our shitty behavior. Wow. And I would always be like, I was not there. there. A funeral. Yeah. <laughs> those I, class field trips are. I one time we went to Howe Caverns. It was like one of those things like where, you know, there's like, it's a cavern. So you're going, you're you're in there and you're going through and there's like maybe a, like an underground lake or, or a river that you, they had a gondola on this like underground river. Great field trip. And I remember uh, a friend of mine and I thought it would be funny to rock <laughs> the um, gondola and um, the guy like the tour guide who was like pushing it politely said like 
like no rocking, you know, that kind of thing. And then like, if this gondola's a rocking, <laughs> stop it. And then like my friend and I, I guess, did it one more time. And all I have a memory of is that man hit me with an oar. What? Like he pulled it out and he goes, I said, stop. And he hit me on the back. And oh I think now, I, and I remember being like, oh my God. And I did stop. But I remember thinking like now, like as an adult being like, I can't imagine hitting a kid, especially if they're not my kid and I'm at work. Like <laughs> this guy. Oh yes. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> That's the what? guy who should have been saying, don't tell anyone about this. I'm like, where was a teacher being like, you know what I mean? Like, it just was like, I was hit by an oar from like a thing. I mean, I must, that, that was annoying what I was doing for sure. Looking back, are you like, well, that should be allowed. You were both wrong. I wasn't hurt. Yeah. I remember yeah. being like, I'm not, I was more shocking because like I wasn't hit by my parents. So it was like more like a, a, an adult that I don't know hit me with an oar. Did you tell your parents? No. I think there's an alternate universe where he didn't. And you became like, you'd be in jail right now. Like he set your life. You realize yeah. for the first time in your life, oh, you can't fuck around always. Yeah. There are consequences. And it must to have been actions. a tap, but it still <laughs> is, it was jarring to, uh, to be hit or touched with an oar. Also, it's possible that if he hadn't done that, you might have capsized the boat and died. Truly, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're worried about. Oh, yeah. That it's, he wasn't just like, Rules are rules. It's like we're underground. This we're boat is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Drowning is an option in water. Yeah. So Mike. So my, my subway ride here was good. <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm saying. Now you, you've really, you've grown your hair out. You, you Groucho Mark, Mark's Mark Marin. I think both <laughs> of the two of them. Ooh, you know, I, people have said each of those things separately, but no one ever said Mark's Marin. <laughs> Mark's Marin. Mark's Marin. I think if the, if they do a stick or treat, that's what you got to do. I did Marin one year, and I didn't grow the hair all the way out, but I did get, I did have the mustache, and yeah. uh, it was it was fun to live in that guy's head briefly on purpose for a moment and then stop. You know, could you could you write it well? You're very different comedians. I mean, I listened to him so much, like when his yeah. podcast first came out. Uh, I mean, I can, I can do a brief. Uh, do you want do you want a brief I rendition? I would love. And, and so I think it's more the content than that. I'm not going to get his voice, but it's like. Uh, you know, I mean, because we're also both, you know, we are different people. We're different, but we're, we're different Jews, which to most other people be like, yeah, same, like, don't have to listen to, you know, but uh -huh. uh, I, uh, okay, let me try to remember one of the bits was something like, I was like, oh yeah, you know how, uh, how uh, that people think that most suicides happen after uh, like around the holidays, the holiday, like Christmas time, Hanukkah, people don't talk about Hanukkah, but uh, they say around Christmas time, uh, that's what, but it's actually, I learned, uh, it's the spring. Spring is when more suicides happen because during the winter, it makes sense that you're miserable. But then when it starts to get beautiful out, people are like, oh, it's me. And that's the way that I feel about my career. That's perfect. Yeah. That's a perfect. That's I, when you said it, I was like, is that a Marin Pitt? I don't. Uh, I think I wrote it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you should, yeah, that, that's a, that was very good. I um So. I we we did a podcast over over the coronavirus. We did it on oh yeah, you did my podcast, show? broccoli and ice cream. broccoli and ice cream, and that was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, and that was like the first time we really interacted. We've seen each other because I mean, you you do a lot of shows. I remember seeing you at like Jekyll and Hyde. That there's oh, a yeah. restaurant in time. Oh, I remember yeah, Jekyll yeah, and Hyde. 14th Street, where like the mic still has the like. Oh, so you go up there and you're like, so I went to college for musical theater. It's spooky, <laughs> and uh, uh, I remember you being there, and it was like the Mike Allen. 
I saw him on Comedy Central, and it was a very, <laughs> That's very nice. exciting. It's funny, like, because now, like, I had the same experience, uh, like, that you had with, like, Christian Finnegan when I first moved to New York. Mm, yes. You know, like, 2008, I'm doing a show at, you know, in a room at Broadway Comedy Club, and I'm like, Christian Finnegan from me listening to him outside of, you know, uh -huh, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I know him and he doesn't know me, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, over the course of time, you know, you do comedy long enough, you end up potentially, you know, seeing in comedy clubs and doing shows with like Gaffigan shows up everywhere. Uh -huh. Todd Barry shows up everywhere. You're like, oh, wow. Like it's, it's really, it's exciting. Is there like, anyone left for you that you haven't met that you'd be like, oh, <sighs> whoa. That's a, that's a wonderful question. Um, I, I've been very fortunate to meet so many of the people that I love so much. Um, yeah. It I, goes away fast. Like, <laughs> like I said, like when I saw, I was going to Gotham and, you know, Seinfeld was on stage and I was like, that's when I knew the show's going to run long. Like I just, <laughs> all I knew, all I, I knew immediately, all this means is that I'm not getting home till fucking 12 tonight. And, uh, it disappears fast, but I still have like Mulaney, Jesselnik, Chappelle. I, I met, uh, I met yeah. Chappelle in, uh, uh, San Francisco. One time, I was performing at the uh, at Sketchfest, and mm -hmm. so like he here's my my experience with Chappelle is I was I was on stage. Uh, he my my assume he must have come into the room, see, heard one joke of mine, and then after the show in the green room was like that was a like just named one joke, not my funniest joke, just like a yeah, joke. Yeah. He's like that's funny, and then like the next day I was walking I think with Josh Gondelman, uh, uh -huh. the delightful, uh, hilarious, wonderful sure. friend uh, and comedian. I'll send this when I ask him to come on the pod. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> I'll recommend it. Uh, Josh is wonderful, and so Josh and I were walking uh, as friends do, and we saw Chappelle, a wild Chappelle sighting, and I was like, it was such a a beautiful moment that I was like, literally the night before, he was the only ever day that he knew I was a comedian. So it, yeah, yeah, yeah. we weren't, yeah. we were in that moment, not just people being like, excuse me, you're famous, but be like, we are same, uh -huh. me, yeah. me and you from yesterday, remember? And then I think he talked to us for like a half hour. Oh, wow. uh, and it was, uh, yeah, that was a, a real honor and a pleasure. It's very, I mean, that's that's one of the cool things about comedy, I think. Also, because, like, you and Chappelle are very different comedians, too. But any comedian, like... Disagree, but go on. Yeah. You, you, do you think you're the same comedian? I'm making a joke. Please yes. go on. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, I think but I'm like, here. I'm here to tell everyone that I am the same comedian as Chappelle. <laughs> I am very I the same. That's why you agreed to Two comedians can have, like, different <laughs> kinds of audiences. But as comedians, you know the other comic is, like, amazing or structurally or you admire their joke, even if it's one you wouldn't tell. You can just have a real, like, admiration for each other's... Craft. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I remember when I, I used to open for a lot of like the big, big name guys at uh, at Caroline's. Like I was in at Caroline's for like, you know, when I moved like, a couple, maybe a year after I moved to New York, yeah. I just did a bunch of, you know, I'd open for like Patton Oswalt when he was there uh, and I've opened for him other places because uh, we have, we have, we have this, I think, I'm like, I think I know we have the same manager. So that has happened. Uh -huh. uh, but uh, I remember I opened for Jim Norton there once and I was like, hilarious. Uh, it, <laughs> I mean, it's funny because like Jim Norton's crowd normally I wouldn't I wouldn't book me to open for Jim Norton uh -huh. necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I feel like Caroline's like the elegant, you know, nightclub environment that is it, which is not necessarily like Jim Norton's like he probably does that that's not like the first place that he flocks, you know, sends yeah, yeah, his yeah. audience flocking. He's to. at the stand now, for yeah. sure. Uh but at the because of that, I feel like, you know, because of the ticket price, because of like the the atmosphere of the venue and the show. And also I feel like that helps it so that 
I feel like I, had, I just had Doug Stanhope on my podcast, and he is a longtime favorite. And like, Amazing. To, to have gotten to you have know, you ever heard Doug Stanhope? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, like I met you know met him years and years ago. We were on a show together. We like he was the first one of the one, a person who makes it like not the the thing that we're talking about not surprising that as a comedian like he's like we we like we like each other as humans. We like each other as comedians. We don't want each other to be each other like you be you I'll be me you know mm -hmm. and I remember like when I first you know I sent out like a holiday like you know time email to like everyone who I who I knew years ago and I was like you know just grateful that you exist and you're a person I know and like he wrote back you know I love you you know like I, I said I love you first but like uh -huh. I, I was like uh -huh. wow like that's not necessarily a thing and so I was had him on the podcast and he uh, I was I was telling him the first time I saw him, he came out. It was on like the Unbookables tour that he started, uh -huh. and it was in uh, Boston at this just like a, a rock club. And he came out at the beginning of the show, and he's like, "There's gonna be like four or five comedians on the show before me." And he's like, "I just have to tell you, my audience, uh, treat them like I want them to be here. So don't be an asshole like you might be if I didn't tell you to do this." And so like such a, a genuine. As I was like, I I told. Stand up, like I always remember that you did that, you know. Uh -huh. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that was like necessary at the time." Uh, but he's like, "But you jack the pr the ticket price up to fifty dollars, and it helps, you know." Sure. And yeah. so sure. now that he does that, and that's what like Caroline's and their pricing did for Jim Norton to the point that I'm like, that was it was a wonderful audience. Like the audience, they don't want to ruin their night for like just because they're like, I think that at a Jim Norton show, I'm supposed to ruin it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Well, let me just, because I think uh, this is what I fear would happen. We're, we're getting too positive. And <laughs> we had emailed about this. <laughs> we had emailed about this earlier that you said, you you made it seem like you can't even experience things negatively. Oh, no, I, I certainly can. But it is not my choice. And I would say, uh, like, I, I dated this. Uh, I dated, I've gone on dates with and dated a few comedians. And one of the comedians that I dated for a little while uh, told me, uh, like, we were getting to know each other, and I was, like, telling her all about the comedians that I loved. You know, I was yeah. just, like, started naming my favorites and my friends, and I'm like, I mean, there's so many. Like, once you get into comedy, like, you, there's so many that even other comedians, like, haven't necessarily, like, engaged with. Like, have you guys listened to Nick Vatterot's album? Uh -huh. Like, it's beautiful. It's a masterpiece. He's so wonderful. Like, Rami Nazer. Like, you know, of course, you got your... Your Aparnas and your Tigs and your Maria yeah, yeah. Bamfords yeah. and like people that if you're in comedy, you're like, of course, I I know those like, but like my mom doesn't know all of those. Sure, so sure, sure. there's like layers of it. And so I'm like, there's so many comedians that I love that I'm like, who do you love? And I share these. And so this woman that I was dating and this is I, I apologize that this is also kind of, quote unquote, a bit, but it's a bit that doesn't always work in uh, in comedy. OK, but I feel like is appropriate here because this is almost sincerely what happened. I don't remember the exact wording of it because I only remember how I keep retelling it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But she was like, OK, so, you, yeah, you like a lot of people like, but who don't you like? And I'm like, I'd rather list keep listing all the ones that I, I'd rather get to the end, exhaust the ones that I do love before I start engaging with those that I don't because I'd rather live in if I have a choice, I'd rather live in the world where mm. I'm thinking about the people and things and ideas that I love. And she's like, come on, just tell me one situation <laughs> that you're unhappy with. I'm like, well, right now, you know, this sure. is yeah. Can I ask, do you have her number still? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we're still uh, friends. You are. But have you always been this way? Uh, great question. Um, I think that 
when I so I I started life uh, in because you're Jewish too. Can I yeah. just I started drugs. Yeah, but we're both you know uh, originally this podcast I've said this many times it's going to be called Kvetch, <laughs> but it seemed like I was like branding it super Jewy right out the gate. Um, so so it just it's very interesting that you have this perspective. I also, just real quick, I'm pulling out my digital recorder to record this as a joke, as well as I also know it's weird that we are recording the podcast, <laughs> but uh, my new hip-hop name I've just decided is Kvetchlove. Oh, oh, oh you're a yeah. recorder guy. You're a uh, recorder bit guy. I'm a recorder bit guy, yeah. Wow. I mean, I record all my sets. I write down everything, but you're a recorder bit guy. Yeah. Now, do you, do you ever, like, I know you're dating someone now, but on first dates, did you make a rule, like, to not take out the recorder and say... What what did you just say your rap name was? Uh, Kvetch Love. Kvetch Love. Yeah. Did you, or on first dates, were you like, this is who I am, baby? Um, You know, I I believe that I never made a rule for myself as such. I do think that uh, in an environment amongst comedians, I might be more likely to, uh, you know, I think like we understand the, the tropes of being a comedian. Uh-huh. Like, you know. If anyone ever in conversation with me is a comedian and they say something and I'm like, you should write that down. You should say that. You should record that. You know, like I want all of the ideas to go uncaptured. In fact, I'll tell you that here's something that I didn't say earlier. I'm like, I think this could be a bit if I remember it, if it, it's fine. But uh, I really wanted to I, when you were talking about the caverns earlier, yeah. I was I wanted to say, like, were they cavernous? Because I sometimes when I imagine actual caverns like caves, I feel like they could be cramped. Yes. But then when we talk about like, wow, this place is cavernous. It's actually very uncavern like. Yes. So, yeah. Whether there's adjective like is this hospital hospitable? I was thinking yeah. if there's other ones. I bet you could yeah. come with 10 of those. Yeah. I feel like that's where your brain works. On your desk by tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I also, uh, thinking of opening my own new comedy club in New York City, I don't think there's anything like it called The Creek and the Cavern. So uh, mm, There you go. Or, or The Creekin' and the Cavern. We're just going to okay. release this as an album, I think, <laughs> instead of a podcast. <laughs> okay, so uh, I am Jewish. The answer is yes. Yes. And you grew up in New Jersey. That's right. And so how did you become positive? Uh, I honestly think... <laughs> Yeah, great, great question. So my family, well, here's the, there's a thing from the Talmud that perhaps you're familiar with. It's one of, one of Briefly, our things. Briefly, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Uh, the Talmud, are, are you Jewish, my friend? No. Okay, so are you familiar you with- You knew the answer to that, Mike. I mean, I just want to ask. Was, was Why, because my shirt, because my face, because <laughs> what? Luke, you're, you're as funny as a Jewish, yeah. Oh, my no. shirt, my face, my neck, my back. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That wasn't the right way to do that one. Okay. Um, but my, uh, <laughs> so in the Talmud, there is uh, a, a rabbi talks about having one piece of paper in one pocket, one piece of paper in another pocket. Are you familiar with this? One of them says, this world was created for you. The other one says, you are nothing but ash and dust. So like right in there, both of them, true things, like depending on where you are in your life and your experience. Sure. Like, if you think too much of one, like, you know, load up on the other one. Like if mm. you're like, I'm everything. Maybe you need a little of you're nothing. You know, if you're like, yeah. I'm nothing, be like, come on, you're everything. You know, your conscious experience is the center of your, this incarnation, you know, this mm -hmm. time of your life. L literally, you can't experience anything as anyone other than yourself. Like you are everything that you know, your consciousness. And also you can know that you are in the grandest scheme of the universe in all of space and time, the smallest speck possible, hardly, you know, a blip anywhere, making no ripples in most of the universe. Mm. And so, so 
both of those things, I think, are what's present in Judaism, which makes sense for when you ask me, you're like, you're Jewish. How are you only talking about, like, why is the focus here? Why isn't it also, like, what about this part of it? Uh -huh. And so I think that growing up, I was, I think my family, I was an only child. My family, my parents, my grandparents, like put very, you know how like Jewish children are sometimes treated like Messiah-like, you know, they're like, he was, he was one and you could be one, like you could be the Jewish, first Jewish president, every child who never has been thus far. Sure, uh, sure. Lots of belief, you know, like believe in the second coming, believe in that, or believe of the first coming for us, believe the Messiah is on the way, the first Jewish president's on the way, maybe never. I love that you yeah. keep doing Nazi salutes with every <laughs> example you make right now. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to point, yeah, absolutely that, uh, oh, guys, this is a, just an audio podcast, right? I, <laughs> searched by the uh, <laughs> it's such a uh, yeah uh, uh, is it possible to edit out my hand gestures like just make it look all vague but um great point um i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna sh hold my hand no, my you could do it yeah. no 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 you're absolutely right i'm uh, i'm uncomfortable so uh, but saying that i'm uncomfortable makes me feel more comfortable thank you so uh very very great point i'm not a guy who thinks about the physical the i'm a i'm like an audio guy sure more than a visual tactile so I'm like whatever my body's doing I'm like I'm making the sounds that I want to you know exactly yeah. exactly so uh, I feel like growing up my family had their 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 thumb down on the side of the scale that was like this world was created for you like you could mm. do anything you could be anything which was like uh, helped contribute to the delusional self-confidence necessary in part to get into comedy to believe that I had something to say at age 24 as you know a straight white man in America yeah. I was like ah yes my voice is what's missing my voice uh, what am I saying doesn't matter what I'm saying I am saying it because my grandmother loves me. Audiences are like, are you sure you should be saying anything? And uh -huh. I'm like, I, who am I going to listen to? Everyone or just a few people, you know? Sure. Uh, and so I think that that was one element. Then in uh, eighth grade through high school, my family had moved. And so I started my Where they moved to? Uh, elsewhere in New Jersey. Uh, okay. My mom now lives in, in Bergen County, uh, New Jersey. So, uh, and I remember like not knowing how to make friends, not knowing, like I was introverted at the time. Like I'd just grown up with the same kids, you know, through seventh grade, then yeah, we yeah. moved, had to start over, was starting puberty, like was, you know, had these giant glasses and braces and didn't know how to like, you know, had just recently started combing my hair, like wasn't <laughs> great at presenting myself. And so I didn't have like high self-confidence at the time. And so I just sort of like kept to myself and I feel like, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have like horrendous high school experiences, horrendous teenage experiences. And, you know, it doesn't mean that mine didn't feel like, you know, sad and lonely. But that was a time when I only like my only real escape was like I was good in school, but that didn't help, you know, me feel better. Yeah. Uh, but my summer camp, summer camp was a place that I like sort of met. Was it other... a Jewish summer camp? All, all of them are. I mean, except for like sports. <laughs> uh, essentially, like sending your child away for the summer is a very Jewish thing. Yes, yes, yes. And so it wasn't explicitly Jewish, but there was a higher ratio. Like, I mean, Brandeis isn't explicitly a Jewish college either. I see. Uh, and I went there. So uh, I, I went to like, this. This isn't a Jewish podcast, but 90% of our guests have been Jewish <laughs> so far. 
makes so, sense. And that's and at the camp, that's where you found positivity and belonging. And well, essentially, yeah, I think that uh, outside of my family, it, it felt like. I mean, I know everybody doesn't have this in their family, but it felt like my family, the only family that I knew, was like on my side. But they had to be, you know, that yeah. it wasn't like big deal, like going out into the world, like my, you know, my mom, my grandmother loved me, even despite what I just said earlier. Like that wasn't as explicitly stated to audiences. I'm like, I had love at home, and so I now share that with I share what I want to with you and audiences full of people that are like, that's not how anything works. But, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, at the summer camp was the, there were tons of other kids who had like experiences at least similar to mine in that, you know, artsy, weirdo, misfit, outcast, you know, like yeah. in there. In it's their a good, that's a, summer camp was where I made out with someone for the first time. Same. Yeah. That's where like I became goth because all the, all the, all the women who made out with guys were goth. And how like, goth, goth did you get? Now. Well, I was like the goth, like I did, uh, I mean, Hot Topic, big jeans with chains. I did black nail polish, You think jellies. it's just that they, they want a, a guy who like knows about nail polish? Did you Maybe, have any but, of the but culture like, of like, no, did but, you get in the cure? Like what? Like, well, that, that was the thing is that like, I was cheerier than a goth person would be. Yeah. I liked the clothing, but like at the camp I went to, all the goth kids were really into uh, ice and salt. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. If you put ice and then salt, then ice and then salt, you get like a burn mark. Oh my god! And so they were know. making like self tattoos, and that's where I was like, no. no. Did it hurt? No. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You're making a, you're mutilating yourself. Hmm. Um, but all the they were all the goth girl, the women at the camp girls, they were girls. <laughs> they were they were. <laughs> Yeah. They were they were making out, and I just remember like someone introduced me to this woman named uh, Mallory, uh, and I was in eighth grade, and like someone was like, "This is Mallory. You two should make out." And I was like, "I'm in. I'm goth 100." And I went back to I started high school, new high school, fully goth. I went by G. I my first day I had orange uh, tips. Oh. I wanted them to be red, but it came out orange. I had a goatee. I had a big oh. big baggy jeans, and my poor parents must have been like, "This oh, he has to learn." This is wild, and I think that you should do an album or a one-man show called Cheery Goth. Cheery Goth. I like that. The cheeriest goth in the world. Uh, Yeah, so my summer camp, similar, didn't become goth. Everyone was just like, uh, (laughs) encouraged me to come out of my shell, socially blossom, mix metaphors, you know. And sincerely, like, uh, kids were... Like like childhood, where it's sometimes just like, oh, you're in the same place, so you become friends by geography. Yeah. But, like, here, it was like... There were there's these kids that I thought were cool, and they were like, and we thought you were cool. Like, we were just like, you're just nice kids, nice kids in the yeah. same place without the, you know, uh, whatever's going on in high school. And you go to the same camp every time. I, from age 11 into my 20s, I became a counselor. Wow. Uh, I've, I'm jealous of that. I did different camps each time. And so I had the heartbreaking experience of I did find that community. And then you always at the end would say, we're going to stay in touch. Uh, and like I had a couple like so th- this is so I, I once it was this group. This was the same camp where I made out with someone for the first time. You know, sexual awakening. It's all very intense. And uh, afterwards, it, it was like a friend group. They either iced me out or it all fell apart. I'm not sure still. Salt and iced you out? <laughs> and I wrote them. And again, this is, I mean, like, I think it was summer after seventh oh, grade, God. grade. I wrote them and I said, because they would stop getting back to my messages. They, they, they ghosted you, you me. You don't like that. If I know anything about you. Yeah, I don't like you that. You do not like so that. this is on AIM. And I said, <laughs> hey, guys, this is Jermarco's mother. You know where this is going. I'm sorry to write you like this. But Jamarco took his own life. I, he was he was so 
he was so kind of just bummed that this home fell apart and he you. took his own life and <laughs> they did not write back to they that. They think you're dead. But I think right should now. at least say to my mom, wait. we're sorry for wait, causing wait. this. I was very young. I was very John young. Marco, wait. I didn't know what to do with my feelings. But I'm saying there's human beings walking in the world right now thinking that they cause someone to kill himself don't ghost on people i gotta tell you i think that's the shittiest thing a person can do is a full-on ghost with no real cause you think that full-on ghosting is worse than uh letting them think that you are yeah that's fine uh <laughs> imagine one day someone sees you in the street jamarco jamarco oh man uh well if, so, if i may offer a, a potentially uh positive spin on it perhaps fuck you uh perhaps one of them <laughs> Like noted, I don't know like how like meticulous you are with spelling and like word choice, yeah. but it, it seems to me that it like there could have been like a savvy one in the bunch that was like John Marco this wants was us like to John think. Marco. Yeah, this is. I think this is. Uh, or like the next day you were back on instant messenger, John and, like, Marco all over like, it, yeah. leaving an away message. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure I like, said. I sure, I sure I had them. my mom say something weird, like you know, lingoey. Yeah. Jamarco killed himself. Lol. I, Raffle. I, I, I hope no, these people shizzle, find out. He I hope these people find out because that you're alive. I'm concerned How, about that. They still be listening. You're concerned about they broke my heart. I know that they did, but they I'm just saying, like my heart. the fact that they didn't respond makes me nervous. That they they are they've dealt with what like, if they, years of like trauma of like what if they wrote back and they're like, hey, this is Jesse's mom. Oh yeah. When she found out Jamarco took her life, oh, she took God. her life. And we're all thinking that we killed That's Romeo ourselves. and Juliet live at the Shakespeare Theater. <laughs> um, okay, I'm yeah. gonna. I want to. We're gonna get negatives out of you. So we let's take a commercial break before we tackle that. This is a commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. I forget. I always. Uh, this is the first time doing two episodes. This is the downside oh, podcast. Yes. Yeah, you forgot. Where you we forgot. talk to people about negative things. Check out the Patreon. Early episodes, ad free episodes, bonus episodes. Patreon.com slash downside. You don't have to hear whatever that shitty commercial you just heard was. I have no control over it. <laughs> Please join the Patreon. I'm I'm here with Mike Kaplan. Uh, uh, well, let me. One of the things I so I I've oh, I've always listened to you. I listened to you before, but I listened to your your new album that came out last year, right? AKA yes. And you were talking about taking ayahuasca, ayahuasca, and I had a, a revelation oh. of why I haven't taken. I mean, I'm very scared of drugs in general. I've only I've smoked pot occasionally, but I, I can get depressed, existential, all these things. But I realized one of the reasons I have this big fear of doing ayahuasca or shrooms or LSD is I I so deeply want to have a religious experience or something to convince me of something. Uh, a little bit uh, spiritual or whatnot. And I'm like, if I do this thing and I don't have it, I've, I've now uh, eliminated the thing that could reveal to me the thing that I want. Like J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams did some TED Talk back in the day about like he has this box that his grandma gave him that's like a magic box and you don't know what's in it. And he's like, I never look into it. 
because it's like something that something special resides in the hope that like there could be something magic there. So I realized listening to your album and talking about it because it seemed like you 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 talk about uh, I don't know how you want to I hate the word religious I hate the word spiritual even more but you talk about uh, uh, meaningful things meaningful things coming from this experience. And uh, uh, I just realized listening to it, that's why I have a fear. I have a fear of not getting, experiencing the thing and thus losing the hope that it would let me experience the thing. Well, man, I think that makes sense. You should live in that fear for the rest of your life. Fuck you. Uh, uh, here's, here's sincerely, like, I, I can't guarantee anyone anything about you know like i don't know anything about your own experience your life i if i if i know anything i only know my own experience yeah uh and uh and so with all of that disclaimed let me say that i was exactly like you and a fool and i'm not saying that you're a fool i'm just saying that no, no, when i was exactly like you I was a fool. Uh, and how long is this? How recently was this that you were such a fucking fool? Uh, 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honest, sincerely, that that is a joke. You are not a fool. I was. Don't worry. It, I... it, there's a spectrum of <laughs> foolery that we're all on. There's. I've, I've been learning about Buddhism recently, and uh, my friend Gus, who is a Buddhist, who I'm learning from, uh, and with, uh, he says uh, there's a thing in Buddhism that they say uh, like what one fool can do, any fool can do. Like, and so the point is that if somebody has achieved something, if somebody has attained something, then it is possible for anyone also to make progress towards, like, it doesn't mean that, you know, if somebody can dunk a basketball, anyone can dunk a basketball. But when we're talking about, like, life lessons and, you know, spiritual growth or, uh, like, happiness, like, decreasing of suffering, increasing of happiness, uh -huh. uh, as is, like, the goal of Buddhists in general for all sentient beings, including you. Uh, that's my goal as well. Sure, sure. Uh, but uh, that anyone can take steps to move forward on that path. So I'm not saying that you must do psychedelics or that any, uh, you know, any outcome is guaranteed. Uh, but the kind of fear that you're expressing right now is the exact kind of fear that can be dissipated by an experience like this. That's why, you know, and I, I, I've, I'm much more settled now, but in college I went through a very like classic existential crisis mixed with, you know, childhood things, OCD, obsessive, getting caught on the thought. And I like, sometimes I'm like, you know, someone should have given me fucking a drug. Cause what I did and we talked, you were looking at my bookshelf before and I never, I never bought into like psychics per se, but I was interested in like the uh the people who claim that a random number generator could be influenced by someone like thinking like i was trying to look for some kind of very tangible proof looking at near-death experiences and all these things and then i got immediately got into skeptics like like you know richard dawkins and all these types that showed how that was all kind of uh, uh nonsense and you even said you saw a book about psychics on here uh, and and you you made a comment about how oh, yeah. it's, it's if I may I'll, I'll do my bit for the uh, please do for the audience I'll, I'll uh, react like it's the first time absolutely so the book is called Secrets of the Psychics and I opened it up and said uh, oh we're making it up and then I closed uh -huh. the book so uh, and I was doing I wanted to write because there was this I was so fast I was so into like uh, these magicians who would. Um, bring back the dead and they would in fact like you know where cheesecloth was the thing because it could be translucent and you could can smush cheesecloth so they would fit it into their mouth or their asshole and there was this camp uh i love this so you know the woman who came up with the six uh stages of uh, grief where it's like denial five i believe five yeah 
And so she was she was this famous Kubler Ross. Kubler Ross. So later in her life, she totally hook, line, and sinker bought into this phony psychic. Ah, now there is six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Acceptance <laughs> and return. Yes. Yeah. And this guy. He, uh, a lot of widows would go there and he would claim to bring back their deceased husbands and it would in fact be him dressed in cheesecloth and he would fuck them. They'd have sex with the ghosts of their husband. And the people didn't find it out until an STD started spreading around the camp. He was giving them all, or maybe not, he gave them all crabs. He gave them all something and they kind of put the dots together. But Kubler-Ross, to her dying day, said, no, this guy's the real deal. I'm confused. Wait, there is something funny about everyone wanted to fuck their dead husband. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I well, you don't go to a camp if you don't miss them to bring I, them I, back. No, but I, I like imagining that they're brought back and you're, and then you're like, man, now we fuck. Like there is, I could see some people being like, well, they died. I'm like, I, it's just a funny thing that you would immediately fuck them. Sure. Yeah. You know they're I mean? they're like, not like, let's like, go out, get dinner. Let's yeah, go for a walk. Yeah, yeah, Finally let's, get that dick let's, out. Let's I missed that let's, dick. Let's, let's hear about the afterworld. What's or, it like over there? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like immediately straight into fucking. Have you learned any new tricks? There's also part of me, like, to really buy into that, I'm like, maybe these are people that were conflicted about having sex again now that their husband was dead, and this was all a ruse to just let them get some dick and not feel guilty about it. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. But so you're, you're, you're like a skeptical guy, too. I mean, I'm a guy. I I feel like... (laughs) I I don't even want to say that. I I wrote this joke a long time ago uh, about how, like, I don't like labels, you know? Uh Like, I would would call myself a non-labeler. That's how I would label myself. And uh, That's great. And thank you. And the end. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Um, Is that answered to your questions? Um, I certainly... I, a, a joke that I tell now is that I say I used to be uh, I used to be an atheist and now I'm like do we have to talk about it you know but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sincerely <laughs> like I like none of us like all of us only as far as I know I, I can only speak for what I know I have like the my conscious experience you know I have my memories I have you know what I'm what I'm looking at I can you know I can see and hear and smell and taste and touch things like I can listen to other people's experiences I can like my friend Gus puts it like when we're looking at other people it's all it's airplanes but from inside our own self it's a cockpit like so we only know we know ourselves as a cockpit and we're like I assume everybody else is looking out of a cockpit as well that maybe works similarly in some ways but we you know have truly you know the sort of philosophy 101 like does red look the same to you as it does to me like yeah, yeah. that kind of thing which i think still think is a good sometimes that's joked about like i understand it's like the stoner philosophy question but i'm still like it's it's still a very oh, yeah. uh yeah. at it's the a, core of kind of the whole fucking shebang i mean it, it's a it is definitely to me it's like a a question that has been asked and uh in this lifetime cannot be answered. Yes. And as such, it's sort of like, are we living in a simulation? Are we not living in a simulation? Either way, you have to do your laundry. You know? Like uh-huh. either uh-huh. I want to have clean yeah. laundry in real life or I wanna I want my simulated laundry to be clean. You know, I want yeah. me, simulated me, to have simulated clean laundry. Like great, great question, but don't let it be like, hey, you know, like don't let it stop you from living like what a cool like I got I got a VR, you know, I got a Oculus virtual reality uh-huh. headset. Really enjoy it, and one of the first things that I like you 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 have hands in that you can see your hands like you're holding a controller, but it acts looks like hands. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, look what I can do with my hands. And then like <laughs> next time I was in the bathroom like showering, I'm like, look what I can do with my hands. Like this uh-huh. is cool. Uh-huh. This I, this can do more. I can yeah. do more with my regular hand than I 
can with my virtual hand, like my actual hand. Like, That's like people love The Matrix so much because it was one of those like movies that was watchable, but everyone for the first time in their life was like, but what if? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but what if, yeah. though? How would we know, though? Yeah. Cool movie. Great question. And I really do feel like, I mean, there's, do you know Ram Dass? Are you familiar? I am. I am. A spiritual uh, yes. writer, thinker, teacher. Which I always feel, let me just say, I just immediately, when I hear spiritual writer, I'm always like, all right, we're going to find out in a couple of years that they, you know, fucked a kid or they like, you know, immediately when I hear spiritual teacher, I go corrupt. Broken, uh, 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 Gary Shandling, the documentary about him. You know, he's talking to the like the guru guy over Zoom or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, because Gary Shandling's a celebrity and it probably helps this guy's fucking book sales that his clients are fucking Gary Shandling or Pete Holmes will have someone on his podcast or like fucking what's Deepak Chopra? Like, okay, well, go ahead. I'm just saying, we're getting I'm negative. Saying, yeah. I'm saying that's, that's my initial, the moment I hear this word like spiritual person, I'm just like, scam. Real spiritual people live live alone on a farm and you don't hear about them. But go ahead. Oh, man, there, could be, us. there could be so many of them. There I mean, could be. Wow, everyone. A lot of people live on farms. That's what a wonderful thing to think about. Um, Ram Dass, uh, ooh, now what, what were we talking about that we're, led me to this? Hands, Oculus. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, he says like, you know, like you, you ever have this, this experience, I'm paraphrasing, he's like an experience where you wake up, uh, you, you're in a dream and you don't know that you're in a dream and it seems very realistic mm -hmm. and, uh, and then you uh, wake up from it and you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe that that was a dream. It seems so real. But once you're awake, you're like, oh, man. And it's like, now just wait till you wake up from this one. And mm -hmm. like, it's just, you know, I feel like a useful, like a new kind of, you know, like mind shifting question that like, I, I'm not claiming to have any knowledge about what happens after now. I hardly even necessarily have knowledge about what's happening before now or right now. Uh -huh. But like, if we can know anything, we can know our own experiences, our own uh, sensory, ex like, you know, basically, I know things now, I've experienced things now that 10 years ago, I hadn't, that 20 years ago, I hadn't. Like, you know, ourselves, yourself as a child, uh, is different than yourself now. You've learned things like it, it always feels like in the moment for me, I'm like, oh yeah, like this is it, you know? But I know that whenever I felt like this is it, like that wasn't it, there was more. There's always things that yes. so far I don't know mm -hmm. uh, that like there's things that I know now that at one point were things that I didn't know. Yeah. And there's, those are until you know literally everything which uh, you know the buddha uh, the buddha is purported to be omniscient uh by at least some buddhists if not all of them uh, but so until you're you know a divinely enlightened you know omniscient all-knowing buddha consciousness which is most people aren't uh most most people that most people that i know sure yeah. Yeah, sure uh, and most people are you know ordinary beings uh and so for us there's always almost infinitely more to learn, to know, to experience. And so I I had I hadn't I didn't smoke pot until I was like in my twenties. Oh. And, yeah. Uh and uh I was dating a woman who I would marry. Uh and at that somewhere around there, she was she was a musician, uh, and an artist, a comedian as well, a little bit. And she was like, Pot helps me with my creativity. Like she's like, I feel like I'm in a different uh, state, whatever it was. And she's like, maybe it could help you. And I was like, to me, I remember being like, I'm fine. Like, I feel good with the creativity that I have. In fact, like people, I often make jokes still to this day that people are like, were you high when you came up with that? No, when I'm high, I lay down. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like uh -huh. I come up with 
creative ideas when I'm not high on pot, sometimes when I'm on mushrooms or sometimes with ayahuasca or different psychedelics, like every one of them does different things. Every one of them is like, can be different kinds of tools that can offer value, you know, like can be therapeutic, can be creatively, uh, you know, unleashing and, and so I didn't do any, I, I remember not wanting to smoke pot for several reasons, uh, including like, what if I have kids and I want to tell them that I never did it. And so that I can be like, you don't do it because I didn't do it. And then that was in your head, that advanced thinking. A hundred percent. See, my dad just lied. Like my dad was like a hippie and he was like very much like, don't do drugs. And like at some point, because my parents are divorced, my mom would be like, your dad, <laughs> like totally threw him under the bus Yeah, that he was doing all sorts of crazy shit. Well, and I mean, at this point, I like, I don't think, I don't require, I don't advocate that everyone does every experience that I've had. Uh But I'm like, when I, especially when I've like gotten newly, like, you know, after I did ayahuasca for the first time and found immense value from it, uh, or when I did mushrooms for the first time in my 20s and had uh, found immense value from it, I was like, do people know about this? Like, let me ask you, Russell. Would you, do you see at any point in your life, like maybe let's say you have, uh, uh, you're going to die, you know, you're going to die in the next year. Like, can you see any scenario that you would try any of these drugs? Maybe. Uh, I, I don't do, I like, I don't, I don't smoke pot really. Like I'll do it like once or twice or three times a year. Yeah, Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm not like, no. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think I would need the right, like, setting. I, Tova I, wants I, me to do shrooms really yeah. bad. And I get scared. I, I had a friend I, I, in college. I'm scared of it. I'm I had a friend in college who did shrooms. And I'm sure he was depressed for many other things. Like, this is not someone who was just, like, happy-go-lucky. But it seemed like the shrooms were a turning point for him into a darker, deeper depression. And I'm not necessarily worried about that. I have a lot of things in place and therapy and whatnot. It's more like when I get high, I know when I've gotten truly high because I go through at one point, I go like, I think about death. I think about like dying a violent death or like the pain. Or if I'm in a car, I think about like, what if this car just crashes and then I go through and then I'm gone. Like, and and that happens to me every time I get stoned and it's very uh, upsetting. I don't like it. And I'm like, shrooms to me, anything that lasts longer than two hours or anything that's extended, I'm like, what if I go into that place? Even it won't be further. fun for me. Well, let me, let me offer you many pieces of uh, advice and reaction to that. Number one, stop getting high in cars. Uh-huh. Uh, don't get high if you I wasn't driving, by the way, yeah. just oh, so we all know. I, I, I can't drive sober, so. I mean, and I would say, like, pot, I mean, it's so interesting because, like, people, you know, do it socially. For me, it took years to learn, like, that smoking pot at a party is not uh, conducive to me enjoying the party. Yes, yes. But, like, eating an edible at home alone or just with one other friend and, like, it being okay to lie down, just, like, you know, just listen to music, like, not have to talk, not have to engage. To me, like, that's right. pot and mushrooms are totally different to me in that, like pot like zones me out and sort of makes me like passive and it's like mm. relaxing uh and that's why like doing it at a party like didn't make sense i would just like fall asleep at parties which i sometimes do anyway even when i'm not on the pot but mushrooms are like a, a different it's a it's a completely different kind of experience yeah uh i'm not saying that your you know what happened to your friend clearly happened to your friend who knows what would have happened without the mushrooms because 
there's research demonstrating these days that like psilocybin is like effective at treating depression like that yeah, six yeah, yeah. months to a year after one like therapeutic psilocybin mushroom session like people are like continuing to see the yes, benefits yes, yes. of that so again i mean like i'm not i don't want to I Have vote, you ever had yeah. a bad trip? Do you have a of bad? Course. Tell me about a bad trip. Sure, let's do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I think one of the reasons that I did it, which here's one of the reasons that I had it, is that I didn't have the ideal set and setting. Which is that's the thing yes. is if you were to do mushrooms for the first time, I would like here's optimi optimizing it is like you'll either be somewhere in nature or somewhere that's comfortable to you, like a comfort feels like comfortable. Yeah, nature to me feels like. Bugs and sure, I, sure, sure. I see a bear. Okay. I mean, like, I'm talking like the park, you know. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, a nearby park. I mean, like a bear, like, you know, like a big yeah, daddy. Like a, a gay man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I understand. So, uh, or let's say, you know, a comfortable uh, apartment, a comfortable, like, somewhere, like, you're with your girlfriend who has positive experiences with this experience yes. already and then can thus be there to, you know, comfort you. Does she need to be sober? Uh, no, she does not need to be. Like, I've definitely, uh, I remember my a cousin of mine and a good friend of mine and I did, uh, were in L.A. years ago, did mushrooms all together. My cousin was like, I, like, need not that much of it because it, like, makes me something and it felt like we were like a little family where my 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 friend and i were like the parents and my cousin was like running around and we're like oh and he like eventually like like we were like everything's okay you know yeah, yeah. like so if you have you know somebody who cares about you and knows what they're doing with respect to uh like having experienced uh psychedelics before uh like i think you'll be like also like a bad trip so i'll tell you what the bad that so here's what made it bad i think is i didn't eat anything uh really in the morning because in part i was like "Ooh, i wanted to like if i if i eat too much then maybe it will like negatively impact maybe it won't have as strong an effect i see uh that was what i was thinking at the time but so whatever it is i did it kind of on an empty stomach uh and i was i went out walking through boston i walked along the river uh near where i lived and then i like started walking back through i don't know if you know boston like newberry street uh i was like singing to myself like i think about reggie watts a lot when i'm on mushrooms uh -huh. i'm like i wonder if this is what he's like all the time you know uh -huh. i'm just like yeah i think i'm doing it i'm him you know uh and i remember i got what i think of now was like tired hot and hungry but like my body wasn't able to interpret those messages so it kind of i was like oh god i gotta sit down i feel weak i feel am i dying am i dead is this all a hallucination like and so then i just sat on this uh on the sidewalk uh like sort of you know in this side street and uh, people were walking by me with like dogs because it was a nice day and people were walking their dogs but i'm like is it symbolic is somebody like searching for me like with a rescue dog am i am i I'd, I'd seen this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know if you're familiar. I, I know the show. Uh, there's an episode where she, in the world of the show, uh, gets, like, uh, infected with a demon's, like, blood or something that makes her hallucinate. But her hallucination, it takes the form of her being in the quote-unquote real world where she's not a vampire slayer and she's, like, in a mental uh, institution. Be and, and that the... Her hallucination in the world of the show is that in this world, her life as the vampire slayer that we've known for six seasons is a hallucination. I see. And her parents oh. are saying things to her like, what's more likely that you're 
a vampire slayer, the one person chosen to defend the universe <laughs> from all evil, or that you're a girl who had a mental break. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, I mean, it's an amazing episode. Uh, and I honestly, this was uh, 2008. I had, it was, it must have been between March and June because I had taped my very first TV appearance live at Gotham in March and it was to air in June. And I remember thinking like, what's more likely that I'm going to be on TV for the first time or that I'm like an 88 year old senile man who got lost <laughs> I just, out in Boston. I also Boston. think it's funny that's like, what's more likely that I made it to Gotham live that's going to air on AXS TV for people who have the, the most expensive cable plan channel 1,350 for and you so oh, just, you just, just to be clear i uh, i don't i don't mean to, i'm gonna do this as a bit but also sincerely this was comedy central's live at gotham oh it used to be on comedy central they are completely different shows i see i mean they oh, are, now it's gotham live yeah in that i mean they are they're both shows that were stand-up comedy live at Gotham, but one of them was on Comedy Central called Live at Gotham, and the and other I think one, of the one currently on the AXS channel, yeah, yeah. Yes. which is one of those where like you might as well see it on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So just to, just to be clear, which I think I've done that as well, and I'm very grateful for all the opportunities I've done to be <laughs> on course. all of the screens. I, listen, but- I would love to do Live at Gotham. I've been brought up whenever people don't know your credits, they that's like just one of their go tos. You've seen this guy in Live at Gotham, I'm like not yet. And uh, and so yeah, but this at the time was the biggest deal at all. Like I'd never yeah. done anything. Yeah. And so I sincerely like you know, part of the trip was me being like. What if I am just like, I don't, I was like, I do remember like getting up this morning and eating these mushrooms, but I'm like, and I've eaten mushrooms before, but what if this is the time that is actually real? You know, yeah, that yeah, yeah. this, like, I'm, and here's a valuable lesson that I uh, learned from the ayahuasca guide uh, who guides the ceremonies of ayahuasca that I go to. Like, he'll sometimes say in advance, he'll say, remember, the effects come and the effects go. And that's something that's true of psychedelic experiences. That's something that's been true so far of every emotion that I've ever had. Like every emotion that you've had. Like remember, what's the what's the thing that made you feel the worst exactly one year ago? Who yeah, knows? Yeah. You're not experiencing that now. You remember David at the dentist, that classic video I where do. he wakes with anesthesia? He has yeah. that line where he goes, is this forever? this forever? And it's so true that there's moments, and it happens to me when I'm stoned too, if I get too stoned. It's been a while since so I've been like way too stoned. And it's like, what if? Like, this is forever. And then I have to kill myself because I can't. I always go to, like, I'll have to kill myself. How will I do it? I mean, good news is uh, (laughs) so far. yeah. (laughs) That's not going to be my good There's a way out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, here's, I had this, here's an analogy. Uh, I remember in in college, I was a philosophy major. And I remember having this kind of, around the same time, I was like, is bread the same? Uh, I remember thinking, like, Am I a brain in a vat? Is it possible? It's possible that I'm the only, I, this is the only cockpit that I know well, of. Am I the only person that exists? Is everything else around me? Not, and I was like, here's the thing that I realized. I was like, well, either other people exist, other minds exist, other consciousnesses exist outside of just mine, or I'm the only one. And either way, it's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. I, I remember in, in middle school when I had my first like existential crisis, I was like asking, I was asking my friends, like, what do you think happens when you die? And there's this guy named Zach, and he was like, I think 
I'm the only one that exists. And when I die, everything disappears. And I was like, ah, fuck, fuck, we got to get you. Just no more riding bikes for you. Like, you need to go home and we need to take care. Like, I had this thought, like, oh, my God, what if he's right? And when he dies, I disappear. And uh, I, it's, it's uh, that's uh, just what the kind of person I am. I don't think and you right. would have been like, you, you would have been like, mm, that's interesting. Wow. Oh, I would have been like, so fascinating. What a fool. Both of you. Do you, know, <laughs> do you know? I used to. Um, when I was young, I told my brother, I was so mean. I I told him that he was a robot that we plugged in, and Goodness. all of his memories of us going on vacations and stuff were just memories, things that we put into the computer. Like we're just we're like we would just we were making everything up, and really he's just plugged in in a room, which is a crazy thing and very mean to malicious do. and um i i've apologized since for it but uh but also very pretty creative for a kid i think to to because i i do think i've What's always the thought of the extent like um four years so did, did he really get fucked up from was he like no, no i'm not no he'd get really mad and, and uh, you know have you told him the truth so far or is that- <laughs> I, I, be listening a, to the podcast. Brother out no, there. No, no, no. Yeah. I've apologized. I, you know, um, but it was mainly about like I would always be like, it would. I would always use it around Disney World. I'd be like, you're not actually going to Disney World. You are plugged in, and we're just programming your memories that you're having in Disney. Um, and that's the main time I used it was like when we did trips to Disney because you you didn't want him to enjoy the trip. <laughs> I don't know. I this mean, is like a, a, it is a, psychological a, warfare. A dark yeah. side of you that I've never seen you do now. No, no. I, 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 I as an adult, I like you know. It's like one of those things that immediately, even when in high school, I was like, God, that that was fucked up. I should not have done that. I mean, little brother, it, it's how you were programmed to do it. You know, of course, of <laughs> yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the like my brother and I. We would rough house, and then ultimately, I'd end up giving him like a five star, and then he'd start crying. And like that's the that was the bad thing I do with my brother. And yeah. then my stepdad would come in and, and he'd be like, "What's going on here?" I'd be like, "He was attacking me." Just stuff you do to your siblings. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't it's have that any. good. Uh, you don't have any. Do you think? Do you think that is partly why you are like the way that you are? No, I don't think it has anything to do with it. Uh, no, but, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I do. And here's two things about what you just said. Number one, uh, previously, there's a a spiritual book called. A Course in Miracles that my girlfriend uh, was familiar with before I knew her and she introduced me to. One of the things in it that I really like, uh, there's a lot of stuff in it that I like, but one of the things that's relevant now is the idea that every everyone alive uh, right now or and forever, we are thoughts in the mind of God. And I like that this kid, uh, he's like, yeah, you're all thoughts in the mind of Zach. And uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the, the analogy uh, I feel like the the thing that terrified you, which I also I used to be terrified of uh, of death, of not existing, of mm-hmm. the idea of infinity, eternity, like not being able to understand. Yeah. I would like spiral out into it for thankfully a finite amount of time because that's uh-huh. the only amount of time that you can spiral out. But the the thing from earlier when you're like like what if is this forever? And so either here's the two positive flip sides of it. Either it's not. Uh, and certainly the fact that every time you've ever thought, is this forever? It wasn't so far. Uh-huh. Uh, is this forever? No, it likely isn't. Or if it is forever, then you're immortal. That seems pretty good too. I True. It's so funny. You're, oh, I still have those fears. That's why I'm so interested in taking ayahuasca. Like, I, and it's it's so much better. Like there was just a time and I, I, had, a, I had a girlfriend in, in college who like bore the brunt of like my existential like trauma Mm -hmm. and like i should have been in therapy or i should have been taking lsd or should have been doing something Mm -hmm. but instead i kind of like 
I leaned on her for like proof. Like I would ask, she would like get uh, quotes. That was the thing. Like she would like get quotes of some philosopher, some scientist that would give me brief comfort before I would read, you know, Richard Dawkins say, oh, that guy's a fucking idiot. And then I'd be back to square, like infinity of nothingness. So I just want to follow in your footsteps. I I mean, I'd say starting with mushrooms uh, seems very reasonable. Again, you don't have to, and it's all up to you. It can be a valuable tool, but I'll offer this as well. Uh, You don't have to do like a full dose yeah. first time yeah. immediately you because you don't know anything about what it's like if you want like there's micro doses that barely even are perceptible but and might even be just the placebo effect sure but yeah. uh there you know if the whatever the dose is if it's you know however many grams divided in two divided in three like take a little bit and see what that does for you you know an hour later i would do it as a patreon episode yeah oh my and, god uh do you you have sex on mushrooms uh I d- I'm I can't say for sh- it's certainly not what I generally do. Do you remember that thing when I was a kid? They'd be like, "Don't ever have sex on ecstasy because then it's so good that regular sex sucks." And you'd be like, "Whoa, okay, good. <laughs> I'm not having sex or taking ecstasy right now." But thanks for those warnings in case that should ever arise in oh, my yeah. life. I think I I think I have uh, had sex on uh, ecstasy or Molly once or twice, and uh, I'm just here to report that sex is still good. Good, good, good. Yeah, totally, um, totally fine. I really want to, I just want to touch, I mean, it's not going to be, but I also, the downside, you talk, you're you're vegan. I am. Correct. And uh, I Look recently, how long I went without telling you. <laughs> and only because you asked. <laughs> I, I admire it so much. I recently, I did this podcast, Zach Amico's podcast, where you watch like a horror movie or something, and it was called The Faces of Death. Mm. And there was just like, there was some animal stuff. Oh. And I, I recently I was in the subway and there's this group called Anonymous for the Voiceless. I don't know if you've heard of it. You're friends with them all. But they wear uh, Guy Fox uh, uh, anonymous masks and they're holding up TVs of like animals, you know, horrible animal yes. conditions. And I ended up like standing there for like 10 minutes just watching. And, you know, they saw me like we got him. You know, like I'm a fish. I'm a yeah. fish with a hook. In a way, it's, they're, 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 you know, they're doing it to me. And uh, they came over, they gave me the card, and I, you know, I, you know, I was inspired from then on whenever I go out to bring a remote with me, so if I ever see it, I can, you know, turn it off next time. <laughs> but I, and I, I, I told Tova, I watched this documentary, I saw this horrible treatment, and then my resolution, I was like, I'm going to eat more tofu for lunch, I had a tofu sandwich, and then for dinner that night, I had fucking chicken again. And I, tell me the downside of being vegan. Well, here's, uh, thanks for asking. Um... I'll say this to begin with. In general, uh, I like to, it's not that I don't like to talk about negative things. I mean, I think that it's important to, when there are like things in the world that are painful and challenging, like it's important to acknowledge them and sometimes acknowledging them and uh, is like a step towards helping them not be like that anymore. We're going to get to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict after this. (laughs) Pretty soon. Had a big conversation about it yesterday with my cousin. And um, so I like to, the way that I like to frame this, is I like to talk about like whether in my comedy or in my life in general, like the like small good things and big bad things. Like, because I feel like if I talk about 
big good things, I feel like people are like, hey, don't throw that in my face, you know? But like small good things, like hopefully most people have like some experience of like, you know, a small good thing so we can all connect on those. And then as opposed to like, I don't want to complain about small bad things uh-huh. because like, I feel like there's so many people that have, you know, a broken leg and I'm complaining about a, a stubbed toe, but I'm like the big, you know, the big systemic things, your various yeah, your racism, yeah. sexisms, like animal suffering. And so I feel like, like now you're like this girl that I dated where the, from earlier where you're like, okay, but what's one, I'm like, I haven't even told you all the good things about yeah, veganism yeah, yeah. yet. Uh, well, but I, so I come into it just going like, I, I, I think very deeply that, uh, eating meat when we have the capability to not is, uh, easily show easily morally bad it's not good suffering's bad these animals they feel this is all bad so i i think being vegan is great i think someday i think someday when human beings have created uh fake meat that tastes just as good as regular meat which will happen eventually that they will look back on us who ate meat and as one of the things of like they were fucking oh your great grandfather i'm not equating it to the exact same thing of your oh you're you like have a poster of uh uh you know, uh, some some celebrity you liked or some figure, you know, he ate meat. And I think like once human beings no longer even have the temptation That's to eat meat, that they will they will judge it as like a vile oh, thing. Uh, I and agree. I don't think they're wrong. Yeah, I think they're hypocritical because they'll have good fake meat. But. I think it's bad. So that's why I want to hear because I may go vegan someday or sure. I may like, you know, toy with it or, or or eat less meat, which sometimes I do that thing where I'm like, well, if it's less, it's still just as shitty. So just fuck it. I won't do anything. I mean, certainly like doing something a little is different than not doing it. Yes. Uh, and like over the course of, you know, it's like, ah, what my vote doesn't have any, so why even vote at all? And then sure. everything, like every person in your position who's like, I wish I could, but I can't do everything, so why should I even bother doing something? I might as well do nothing. Something is, I think, always, you know, in a step in the, the direction you want to go. One of the lies I tell in my head, I say, when I'm rich, or when I have money, when I can have... Uh, meals delivered from vegan restaurants or a personal chef or something in my head. I'm like, when I can do that, I'll be vegan. And I'm like, Joe Marco, that's an insane. I think a lot of people have morality based on like, well, when it's easy, that's when yes. I'll do it. Yeah. We had a slight technical issue here. Um, by the way, uh, Douglas Goodhart, I think he listens. Uh, he, he's the guy who made all the wonderful music. I really could use like a music that's like, that's like, a technical issue. Uh, you don't have to copy that template, but just please, I'll pay you this time. I've always, I want to make clear to everyone, I offered to pay him money for it. Uh, so Douglas, I, I'm, I'm willing, uh, not too much, obviously. Um, by the way, uh, please join the Patreon, patreon.com slash downside. Back to the episode. My question is, because I might think that what is the downsides of being vegan in a meat-eating America. Okay. Well, uh, first, uh, I will I will answer your question, but I also do want to say like this is a thing I've been thinking about recently as maybe a joke, but also just like a real, you know, the philosophical concept of the trolley problem. Uh huh. Uh, recently made famous in The Good Place, a wonderful show. Uh, the trolley problem. Uh, for anyone who needs a a, a refresher. 
like you're in control of uh, a trolley is heading on one track and it's going to kill five people if you don't do anything, but you can switch it to actively only kill one different person. Mm -hmm. And it seems like morally like, oh, you should actively take the step to save four lives as opposed to you're like, well, I'm not doing anything. And that's like uh, utilitarian thinking. Yeah, yeah. E exactly. Yeah. And so the way I see veganism is that, you know, it's certainly uh, it's like a trolley problem where like all of the animals like suffering or their, their lives are on one side of the track. Also, your own health and, you know, and you know, like physical and emotional and potential like spiritual well-being. That's on the same side. And also the planet, you know, all of the everything's on one side. And people are like, well, should we make it go to the track where the planet and animals and humans all get to continue to live and be healthy? Nah, I'm just going to have it keep going right over our own bodies. So, I mean, honestly, like, I don't mean to be an asshole uh, and be like, there's only good things about being vegan. I mean, of course, you certainly, you'll have to contend with assholes. Well, I don't necessarily mean the downside of veganism, but like to, to have to live as a vegan in a world where I go to restaurants all the time and there's not a, a vegan option or are there's- you, Are yeah. you sure? Well, may, well, it's- Have you asked? W when did you become vegan? Uh, 2002. Was it- like that is that's a long time ago. That's like before. Yeah. Before. But is it? I mean, sincerely, like all of these questions. Like, I'm happy to answer all of your questions about the imagined ills of uh, the imagined difficulties, challenges of being vegan. Honestly, you have no challenges of being vegan very in America. Rarely challenges. I mean, like one time in the mid 2000s, I was on a road trip with my friend Jason, driving from the East Coast to where he lived in. LA, we were driving through the New Orleans area. We were stopped, we stopped and saw a friend. We went to a restaurant that I didn't select and there was nothing specifically vegan on the menu. I was like, do you guys just have like this pasta? Can I just have vegetables and sauce without meat? They're like, the meat is in the sauce. And I was like, what about just vegetables? And they're like, we don't really even have those. And I like found on the back, they have pizza and they had pizza toppings. And I'm like, oh, you call your vegetables pizza toppings. So I'll have some of these <laughs> onions, you know, peppers and mushrooms. And like all, there's so many vegetables listed, just not called or conceived of as vegetables. So that took a little like mental maneuvering at a restaurant that I didn't choose. But no. the point is, it's I mean, a, it is a different world today in, in our country, in our city, in most yeah. cities. And also the fact that I forget, there's a book that I didn't read that is about like how too many choices, like we have so many choices and that is psychologically, that is damaging. Like it is, yes. we are less happy to have, like I think it's like three or four choices is good. So like if I go to a non-vegan restaurant and there's like three or four things I can, I'm like, wait, I can get one of these things. That makes it's sense. actually easier to be vegan in some, some restaurants in America. It's actually hard to be not vegan. It's hard. Uh, like to be a meat eater, to be an omnivore and go into a restaurant that has like pages of, of menu. Like you're, you're wasting so much of your life trying to decide what to eat and just be like, I'll just have the vegan thing. I agree with that. I was with Tova the other day and I said like, I, I would, uh, rather have, a, a, what is it called? Where you have three things, prepared meals. Like I'd rather, like prefix. I hate looking through the menu. Like a prefix. I, I, oh, yeah. I always do now. I don't know if waiters hate this where I just go like, what do people like here? And that's, I get it every time. But I look at the menu ahead of time. So okay. Well, you've, 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 I mean, you're, you're not wrong. 
It's. I, I mean, think, I think do, it'd be really. He's grunt. been doing it for twenty years, and he lives in New York City. Like it. It's like yes. being like, oh, how is it to put pants I, on? Today? I also do travel extensively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, how is it to put pants on? Is it here's no? Here's the real question. It's that like, uh, when I'm emotionally feeling good, or I'm feeling satisfied, or I'm not starving, it's like fine. And then I could see, like, I would go to your friend and we go to the restaurant. I'm starving. I'm on the fucking road. And I would go, I'm so hungry. I want a meal. Fuck, I'm going to have pizza toppings on a plate and I'm going to mix it up and call it a salad. And I'd be so hungry and angry. Do you do you see me? And you don't even have the desire anymore. Uh, no, I, I do not have the desire. But it's not, the desire is neither, like, I mean, sometimes if I smell meat, like, it doesn't, like, the it intellectually revolts me, but it doesn't like automatically, viscerally. Yes. Like I know there are people for whom they're like just it has an instinctual reaction. Like I know that this is the flesh of an animal, and I don't like that, and I don't like that. I don't like that it happens, but it is for me much more. Uh, like I'm like this is I've I have shifted this is one category that I will gladly assign myself though also somebody asked me recently they're like when there is like meat that's made in a lab that is you know that involves no animal suffering at all and is near identical or completely identical to the meat that you could get uh, in the past from animals like is that technically vegan and I'm like that doesn't doesn't even specifically matter to me I'm like if there are people like you who will eat you know suffering free meat as opposed like if of it's, course i don't like i'm like great i'd rather there be less suffering in the world and the category of whether the food or the person is or is not vegan or vegetarian or plant-based or however you want to identify i'm like is there less suffering great is there more is there more happiness great uh, is your girlfriend vegan uh yeah could you ever be with a non-vegan yeah i have been and uh, honest, I remember reading like uh, an, an Ask Vegan like advice column at one point and somebody was like, uh, should I try to only date vegans? And honestly, uh, the answer was like, no, if, you, if you're, I mean, utilitarian wise, if you're dating somebody who wouldn't be vegan, but like is willing to go to restaurants with you, is willing to try it, is willing yeah, to be yeah, open yeah. to it, yeah. there actually will be more good done in the world. There will be less animal suffering. if a ve So vegans like fan out, spread out, you know, yeah, like yeah. don't just date each other. Even if yeah. you know, one less chicken nugget order, that's one chicken. That would be very grateful. Exactly. If it could express it. Um, well, I, I'm going to go vegan after this. Would you ever? Uh, I would try it. Um, here's the thing. What's tough about this is that whenever I hear and talk about it, I'm like, I fully 100% agree. Um, and <laughs> I feel really bad. And I, well, I've got a solution for you. I know. I know. And that's the thing. You're like, you could just do it. Just do it. Hey, do you, um, I, well, do you want to, do you want to hear Can I do a brief impression for you? I, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt. I yeah. do mean, I do mean to interrupt. Please. But this is, I, I came up with this impression pretty recently. I don't know if I'm going to do it on stage, but uh, uh -huh. it's, uh, it's my impression of like the, the only because so many people are like you so many people are exactly like this, this is my impression yeah. of non-vegans with like the only argument that i haven't been able to counter like i can counter almost any argument this is the only vegan non-vegan the only anti-vegan argument that i can counter is a i don't wanna wah, i don't like vegetables i'm like a baby that's gonna endure yeah. the audience yeah. to you yeah i'm like and i don't want that to be an impression of you i want it to, i want that to be an impression of no one so just uh, join us 
We are so, silent. <laughs> we are utterly I think silent. I know that I so won't do it, and I and I don't know how to wrap my head around it in in a way. I'm definitely up for reducing. Yeah, I believe. Yes. I believe yes. in you both. I believe strongly. We should try. We should do a we have do, a meal. No, we should have do one for, meal like a week. We could do a thing. We should do one Patreon episode one. where we don't eat any meat for the whole episode. <laughs> no, no, no. Like we do. Like if we commit to like doing it for a full week and just see what that is like. I like that. Do you know when we can talk about it? Okay, I think that's great, and I, I love it. I thank you, and I also just want to add this uh, post disclaimer that uh, if you rewind this episode, you'll find that I didn't bring this up, and I yes. only absolutely. Answered questions. I have it. Yes. I have it on on my paper. If any of these cameras are still working, it says vegan on it. I because I because you're right. You're right. It was the thing. It, it was this video I saw. It was the chicken's head, and then it's the, it's the, it's the chicken's body flapping around oh, without yeah. the head you don't. for a while, and it's like, oh man, I know this is bad. You know, I know. There's a here's another an analogy I hadn't really thought of. Uh, when I was like 21, I had a girlfriend, and I uh, while I was away at summer camp, I uh, made out with another girl. Mm. And uh, I'd become friends with a girl and I'd, I'd sort of, you know, was uh, maneuvering it in my head to be like, look, I can tell my girlfriend that I have this friend. This, you know, it's, it's totally fine to have a friend. You're allowed to have a friend. And like ultimately, like, you know, when that line was crossed, like I ultimately like told my girlfriend the truth. But I was like, oh, I guess I thought the lesson initially was like, well, if you hadn't told her the truth, then you would potentially still be with your girlfriend. So the lesson is don't tell the truth. But like later... Uh, so she hadn't learned everything like we'd broken up. But then later when we were almost getting back together, she was asking me, she's like, did what happened? Did anything happen? Like, cause earlier I had told her, I had told her everything was the truth, but she was like still suspicious and jealous Yeah, and we broke up. But so then I was like, oh, if I didn't tell her any of that, then everything would have been fine. But then I did like, you know, hook up with this person. And then when my girlfriend was like, so did anything happen? Because I feel, she's like, I feel like I was unfair earlier. I, I judged uh -huh. you like with that. I, you didn't, you said that you didn't do anything. I, be, I believe you. I trust you. Did any, so sincerely did anything happen? And I, in my head, I, at first I was like, the lesson was don't tell the truth. And, but I was like, I can't do, I, so I told, I was like, yes, something did happen. And we broke up and we, we remained friends after that. We yeah. friends again. But so the, the lesson was not ultimately don't tell the truth if the truth is something that will hurt somebody is try to have the truth be something that when you tell it uh, won't yes. hurt uh, somebody. Yes. And so I feel like where y'all are at in, in your vegan journey, you're, you're about to take take a step. Uh, and the place that you're at is like, I don't like like. I don't want to know these horrible things like these horrible things exist that in ways I'm potentially contributing to. Like, I don't want to think that about myself. I don't want it to be about the world. And so some people like just won't watch those movies. Some people just, you know, don't yeah. want to like, I don't want to know the thing, but really the thing is I don't want the thing to be. So, yeah. but, yeah. It, but if you're like, like America, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, that's so funny about camp. I feel like going to summer camp and having girlfriends and whatnot, you like learn lessons about like fidelity and temptation in a way that some people find out in their forties and fifties and the consequences are much graver. People need to go to uh, summer camp, psychedelics, veganism. That's all you need. There you go. All right. So let's, let's go to our, our, uh, our, this has got to stop. Uh, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. I, this might've been tough for you. I mean, other than eating meat. Oh, I got one. Go oh, for great. it. Uh, when people honk their horn 
immediately after the light changes from considerably farther back in the the line of cars to the point where they can't know if there's still like a child or an old person or anybody like still crossing such that like there should be a system where look if everybody has like one second you know the first car if you don't move like a second's kind of a long time you should be paying attention uh-huh you have a second to start moving maybe even two seconds but let's say one second and if that car doesn't move after one second, the car right behind it can be like, beep, just like a quick, a quick beep, hey, don't know if you saw it, beep. Like, and then if if after two seconds that car hasn't done that, then the third car could be like, beep, you know, just, yeah, yeah. and then after at whatever car length you are, that's how many seconds you have to wait before honking, like but people do not follow. This is, here's the thing, the way that I talk about this on stage sometimes, and just in my, in my life in general, is the concept of pet peeves. I, like, I don't like to think of myself as having pet peeves because if I were to allow myself to have a pet peeve or pet peeves, I'm like, one of my pet peeves would be having pet peeves, myself having pet peeves. Uh, And so this is sort of like the penance that I give myself to do for the concept of being like, but I do want to express this thing that I think is negative, that is challenging, that a friend of mine and I, we call it uh, rumpelstiltskinning, like naming the thing that uh, to help take away its power is a valuable thing. Like, you know, in recovery in Alcoholics Anonymous, like my name is this and I'm an alcoholic. Naming the problem helps you process the problem, helps you work through the problem. Honking bothers me. And so it's important for me to be like, but it's funny if I don't keep a lid on it, I'll be like, honking sucks. Honk, honk, I don't like honking. I don't like when people, and I become the very honking yes. that I'm uh, yes. upset at in the world. And so I, I'm very gingerly with how I present when things bother me. And so honking horns would if i had a pet peeve then honking horns unnecessarily in volume in length and in uh near like chronological proximity to when it ought happen yes Uh, yeah i'd say we definitely i think we need two different kinds of horns because you you have this one device for get out of the way and like hey i but that's tough i truly believe it ought be like uh phone rings like uh-huh. you get you have you can have your your favorite song be it but yeah just have different settings for different people like your mom calls it goes with one ring your love calls your romantic love calls it goes with another ring you need a <clears throat> yeah yeah that would be a great horn <clears throat> sure i'm sure unfortunately elon musk will be the one to do it and it um, will be a tesla yeah. feature <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> um well let's get to the one brief moment of positivity in this very positive episode of the Hi. downside you better count your blessings. Um, you better count your blessing. Uh, uh, I'll go first. I think it's nice to end with the guest. I think yeah. that's a nice thing that we do. Uh, this is a very specific one, but I just watched another one of those videos that I love. Russell made a very cruel joke about it, but uh, <laughs> I was going to do the, these, <laughs> the, the, stop. these glasses. Oh, what we'll do. Yeah. We, our episodes have been going longer. So we, we usually do this has got to stops, but uh, I just had to talk about veganism because mm. I just had to feel that shame. I see. Cause yeah. in a way, if I feel that shame that absolves me from doing the bad thing in exactly. the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, I know I feel bad for it. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's those videos. I love watching these videos of uh, someone who is colorblind and they give them these glasses and they see color. And it, it's it's almost like the emotions are always the same. It's like three seconds of like, whoa, 
and then they take off the glasses and cry and it's just a beautiful 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 thing and uh, uh russell let me know that the glasses looked very silly though. <laughs> they look, they, they no, look like they look they, like those like cheap they, like shades that you get when you're design like, them better because I, I think we have the technology. So I'm just saying like, <laughs> you're giving this amazing thing to someone to have, and I think we could design them better. That's all. Yeah, they they, look, know, so they don't look like you're like going to a look 3D like, movie. They look you know? they look like a like a middle like a, a midlife crisis Step-dad, dad like seeming yeah. cool yes. on this 13 year old kid. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that, that's my blessing is those videos and, oh, and those nice. doctors who make it happen. That's lovely. Um, there's a great sketch out there. Uh, I forget their name, but where they, they, they get the glasses and they're like, oh, so, so no Xbox. Ha. I kind of said that. And they're just really disappointed in these life altering glasses. Russell. Um, mine's kind of a general one, but I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful. Uh, my parents, they, um, my dog died this week, and uh, they. Well, this is coming out in in a bit, so. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So, so please my dog correct. died weeks ago. Um, <laughs> so and, it's time and to and be I'm moving over on. It. I'm fine. <laughs> um, so my dog died a long time ago, and uh, <laughs> when he did die, uh, my parents were like, uh, "We're gonna come see you," and I haven't really seen them in in a while, you know. Uh, Why everything? <laughs> um, long time years ago, we had this thing called COVID. Uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but um, uh, so they're coming uh, tonight. So I'm gonna get to see them, and um, I'm thankful for that. Uh, it's very sweet. Yeah, and Mike. Uh, well, I'm very grateful to have been asked to be here to have this uh, bountiful, abundant, wonderful conversation. Sincerely, uh, and I'll say specifically, I really like uh, all the little theme songs throughout. Thank uh, you. Th- this mechanism is so like beautiful, like rainbow colored, mm-hmm. like pastel. I mean, it's like it's a. I'm I, as I've said, like I'm not necessarily like a, a looker at things, yeah, but I'm, yeah. like, but I can't help but be like impressed by like the the yeah. visual physicality of this device that is also. So of course, functional in the ways I also I love like I'm a musician uh-huh. uh, since childhood uh, since like age four. My parents were music musicians, music teachers, and uh, started playing the violin. Started writing songs uh, when I was like 15, high school, and uh, and I love still like I, I play music for fun. I record music. My girlfriend was away for the past two weeks, so it's also a great joy that she returned yesterday. I'm very happy that she is home again uh-huh. uh and so happy to be here today uh, not with her and uh <laughs> lo- love her she's she was still asleep didn't get a lot of sleep on her vacation but uh she while every day that she was gone she was gone i think 13 days and i like recorded a short song for her or because of her or you know just uh each day called my girlfriend is away day one through 13 and uh might might release them at some point but like shared them with some friends oh, uh, so cool. enjoy doing them i just like i like doing that and so I've done it for like uh, one of my podcasts, uh, not the one that you were on, because uh, that's one that has guests, but the one that doesn't have guests is called The Faucet. And I like I've recorded both of the theme songs for both of the podcasts. And I have a new segment on uh, my The Faucet podcast where because I'm doing them sort of like uh, some people are watching live and couldn't put comments or questions in like the mechanism by which they're watching. And I will like sometime later in the episode, like look back at the comments and uh, not necessarily know what people are talking about because they left it 20 minutes earlier. And so I created a segment called Out of Context Comments and I and I made a theme song for it. And I've, I just, I love tiny 
like bite-sized musical nuggets. I love making them. I love hearing them. And so that's something that I'm grateful for. I should have known you'd have eight blessings <laughs> for this single blessing. Just like music. That- love music. <laughs> um, and anything you, I mean, we plugged your podcast. Check them both out. Say their name again for people uh, to Broccoli and ice cream is the one that you were on. If you uh-huh. want to, you know, sort of a, a gateway episode. If sure, you're like, sure. You, you like listening to John Marco <laughs> and uh, I don't know what the other guy, but uh, he's there too. He'll be comfortable. So yeah, That's bro- very funny. broccoli and ice cream. And the faucet is uh, the one that is just me. It's like, it's like this, but without you guys. And uh, that they each come out, you know, uh, w- at least once a week, sometimes more. And uh, I have a Patreon for, so the broccoli and ice cream is called that because uh, it's about the work of people's lives that I talked to about uh, and the joys of people's lives. And so each half of the conversation, one is usually focused on one, one is focused on the other. We one, were going to call this podcast Just Broccoli. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I like it. And uh, <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be funny if, if somebody liked my podcast, but they're like, I just uh, just did that. Um, some, it's it's kind of like when I listen to Pete Holmes when he gets into like the religious stuff. I'm like, all right, I listened to the episode. That's that, great. That's really, that's hilarious. That's, that's, that's why you do segments so people can <laughs> drop out of the segments they don't you like. You know, I was thinking earlier, it'd be funny if you did do um, uh, shrooms and then you, we had to switch the whole podcast. <laughs> it like changed your oh whole thing God. and you were like, you've got to turn like, it to the, the upside the downside. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, let's do it. You know, And you'd be the negative one on the podcast. Yeah. You'd be like, all right, Jamarco, calm down. <laughs> Um, Can I just pitch my name? I, I I did I did say, it, but we were all we were all having yeah, a good yeah. time. Uh, the upside downside. Oh um, yeah yeah yeah. Because he's still there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, sincerely, yes. The the podcast is broccoli and ice cream, and one episode comes out on Patreon, and the other one's free. And uh, you did mention my album, uh, my most recent album of several albums I have that are available. Where look, you're on the internet, you can find an album. It's called AKA and just uh, Mike Kaplan is spelled weird. So if you look for that, M Y Q K A P L A N, that's where I am. All over the internet, social media. And such. I do have a new, uh, a, a fun, jokey newsletter. I send out a few jokes, and uh, and some of my upcoming things to, uh, and that's at mikekaplan.substack. Fantastic, uh, Russell. Uncle Function, our sketch team will have something we had a year on ago. the books. Um, we yeah, we in July. In July, yeah. Yeah, well, we have a show. I got to put that date in my calendar. Yeah, Long um, ago in July. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so check out Uncle Function. Me, this is coming out. I will be headlining the Tiny Cupboard tonight at 9 Woo! p.m. Uh, gonna do. I think it's. I think I get a good 45 minutes. Gonna gonna do some do some bits, and um, yeah, uh, I think uh, this was a very positive episode, and it's important to remember that whether you are vegan or not. Uh, eventually, you will be meat and probably eaten by. Uh, the worms and the maggots. Goodbye, yeah. everyone. Go in. Uh, well, this was fun. I think. Thank you. I'm in the mood for a steak. Wait a oh, second. I, uh, no. <laughs> so hot. More like a mistake. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>